people are still bought into the culture of like buying a new car every few years and now I've got the latest Tesla and that makes me an environmentalist. Now you've got this still inefficient piece of transportation. The manufacturing process was still very harmful to the environment. You're still perpetuating the dominance of single passenger cars on our streets and you're making things continuing to support the car culture Cars need to go as fast as possible. They need to be prioritized. They're the number one vehicle on the road. And that scares off and makes inconvenient other forms of transportation, like riding a bike. I think the environmental movement needs to have a a reckoning with that. I just saw on Facebook you are talking, Charlie, about what it means to be an environmentalist, and it involves driving and biking. I I posted on Facebook uh, that if you use a car instead of riding a bike or walking or using transit to take that trip, then please don't call yourself an environmentalist. And that comes from Saul Alinsky a long time ago talking about hypocrites and people who may call themselves liberals, but uh, they pose. They're posers. And I just have a real problem with people who claim the position, uh, the status in this case, maybe of environmentalists, but don't don't act out their uh, their values, and and Los Angeles is uh, that's epidemic around here, and uh, I get a little frustrated with it, and so that's why I wrote that, and it, and it got a great response. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I shared it, and I I wanna um, there there was the word. Could if you could ride a bike or take transit rather than walk, don't call yourself or what rather than drive a car. Um, I thought that was that was an important uh, word because there are people that that can't ride a bike or can't walk. Or the trip's too long. Yeah, there's lots of reasons that 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 maybe it's not appropriate. I'm thinking of people that are that are disabled, but other than that, if you're an able-bodied person that can ride a bike or can take public transit and uh, and walk, um, and you should when you can, you know. Um, and I don't buy the excuse that that you can't because you have to get from one side of L.A. to the other um, at this point because we have a lot of... Our public transit has really blossomed into something that can get you within a bikeable distance by rail. And, uh, you know, people just don't... They don't put the effort into to figuring it out. The in, people that call themselves environmentalists and... and that's what I really appreciated about that that statement is like 
I actually uh, get into discussions with environmentalists that haven't seen they 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 don't comprehend the car as as this uh polluter of the environment and uh it's it's kind of funny i mean it it hasn't hit everybody yet the environmentalist movement is still not quite there i mean a lot of people within the movement haven't uh haven't shed themselves of their their cars mm-hmm. their car mentality well, that yeah. Seems, yeah. Who calls themselves an environmentalist, first of all, uh, and, and where do they do that? Well, I think a lot of people uh, think of themselves as a virtuous uh, citizen, right? They um, uh, and they they think that they are um, living their values, but Don's right. Uh, you can get around Los Angeles, the Sodom and Gomorrah of of. Uh, transportation uh, without a car. I sold my car. I live in Long Beach. I sold my car four years ago and have uh, been using a bike and transit and walking since. I'm shocked that I, I rarely ever use a car to get anywhere. Uh, and when I do, I you know I use Uber or borrow somebody's car or whatever, but Don's right. It's... Um, it doesn't take me that much longer to hop on the blue line and get to downtown Los Angeles. In fact, I can get there faster on the blue line during rush hour than I could trying to drive. And it's a lot more pleasant trip than uh, if I was trying to drive. But And it took me a while to get uh, educated on how to use transit um, in a sophisticated way. And I had my doubts about it when I started out. But I don't now. And see car driving around L.A. as um, as one of the weakest ways to move about, particularly during traffic and congestion. And so uh, there's a little schadenfreude about people sitting in traffic in their $100,000 BMW uh, mm-hmm. being held hostage by uh, the crowd of BMWs in front of them over on the west side. Uh, I don't have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, they, they're the ones that have set that up and there are, you know, there are legitimate options that they have, uh, but they, they're not, they're either too lazy or they're not informed about their options. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, part of my, I don't, uh, I don't beat anybody up for it on a personal level, but it's, it surprises me how people who call themselves environmentalists and who think of themselves as uh, uh, conscious, virtuous people are uh, simply oblivious, as Don was saying, to their contributing to, um, one, the congestion, and two, the pollution that is delivered out of their car. Mm-hmm. So I... Yeah. yeah. And... and- I I think there needs to be a kind of uh, progressive litmus test that includes transportation and because uh, like a lot of I see a lot of uh, pushback 
when you know when I'm out there advocating and when I you know when people are out there advocating for safe streets and uh, walkable streets and so forth and, and uh, I see a lot of pushback from people that that are in the progressive movement and uh, it it bothers me because it it feels like uh, you know you you. We've been so brainwashed by car marketing and by the facts on the ground of our of our streets that, that prioritize cars that people it it's it's like a it's like a mental block or something where they just don't see that part of the environmental movement is or should be to drive less. And even if it's an electric car, it's still you're still manufacturing, you know, people, people are still bought into the, the, the culture of like buying a new car every few years. And now I've got the latest Tesla and that makes me an environmentalist. And it's like, not necessarily because now you've got this, this still inefficient piece of transportation that, uh, the manufacturing process was still very harmful to the environment, and you're still perpetuating the dominance of of single single passenger cars on our streets. And you're making things. You're continuing to uh, uh, continuing to, to support the car culture here that. Uh, cars need to go as fast as possible. They need to be prioritized. They're the number one vehicle on the road. And that scares off and makes inconvenient other forms of transportation like riding a bike or uh, walking and so forth. And uh, I think the environmental movement needs to, needs to have a, a reckoning with that, mm-hmm. that's well said. It's um, uh, people who are call themselves environmentalists yet um, put their convenience ahead of safety on the street for other users, and consciously or not, are buying into this monoculture of cars uh, to the exclusion <coughs> of safety bicycling. You know, our our wars about road diets right now is a prime example of that, of where the safety factors are real. When we calm traffic through a residential area or through a commercial district um, using road diets, and we, we have plenty of statistics to support that, uh, and it slows down commuters during rush hour only, Maybe thirty seconds to three minutes, or some you know some relatively minor amount of their one hour commute wherever they're going. That's and that that's what they get excited about. That's what they get upset about, and that's what they uh, complain about. It just it it it's completely uh, inconsistent with what they say their values are, and so that's the point of putting up that statement, and that is uh, at least be 
conscious of your hypocrisy here. And uh, if you're going to choose to drive when you could have taken an, a different form of transportation, then just accept that that's, uh, that's who you are, that's who you're being. And, um, uh, but as, as I think it was Don that was just saying it, um, the Sierra Club and others are concerned about a whole lot of um, environmental issues, but they have a blind spot to this one. Um, and I frankly, as a, as a political activist, think that that's uh, uh, a conversation that we need to, uh, uh, that needs to be a little more sophisticated around Los Angeles. There's a lot of people who recognize that if the streets, the options were more balanced, uh, you know, Don and I can ride anywhere on a bike um, and mix it up with traffic, and we are willing to accept those risks, and we are fairly sophisticated riders. So are you, Nick. But most people out there, that's the, that's the barrier to getting on a bike. They aren't interested in taking the same risk that we do. So um, uh, that's what needs yeah, to be Yeah, and tell you, tell you the truth, uh, I don't like the risk either, you know. That's part of this fight. It's, it's if everybody that considered themselves to be an environmentalist in Los Angeles got on board and fought for safe streets for all, uh, I, I think that we would have plenty of political power to actually transform the streets. But, you know, once again, I'm seeing a lot of people that consider themselves to be progressive have a blind spot when it comes to transportation. For example... Uh, you've got uh, out on the west side, you've got the, the recall bonding campaign that's happening. And the lead, you know, one of the lead uh, characters behind the recall effort is a Berniecrat or alleged Berniecrat uh, named Alexis Edelstein. And we, Nick and I have had him on uh, Bike Talk. And there's a blind spot there. Why are you fighting against a walkable, bikeable street? You know, why, why are you uh, fighting against this movement for safe streets and calling yourself, yourself a progressive? I call BS on that. I, I, I don't think you can be progressive if you have a blind spot when it comes to car culture. What about the argument that when it's so hostile to cyclists that, you know, even if you are driving, uh, what about people who don't want to take the risk? I mean, but they're... I, I totally, I totally get not wanting to take the risk. The streets right now, as they are, are hostile. So uh, that's the fight. We need to fight so that the streets are not hostile, so that people can choose other other options. So, uh, you know, the way the what what I've committed to do as a person, I mean, I have a car, I drive a car, you know, 
when I drive, I drive uh, in a way, it's called hypermiling, I guess you call it hypermiling, but it's basically just driving safe and slow and in a way that if everybody was driving in the way that I did, uh, the streets wouldn't be hostile for cyclists and pedestrians because I don't blast through intersections. I don't race up to red lights. Um, when I see a crosswalk, um, I'm very hyper vigilant to make sure that that uh, you know if somebody is even close to wanting to cross the street, I'll slow up and stop for them. I'll go out of my way to drive safe. And, uh, and, and in the way that I wish that, that car drivers would drive when I'm riding my bike. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, to, to some extent, that's because you can identify with that person that's in the crosswalk or riding a bike. And for those that are car dependent, that, that that's their only way of getting around, they simply don't have a lot of empathy for uh, others. Uh, that aren't driving, and even then, they're hostile to those that are slowing them down. You know, this gets yeah. you use the term you use the term fight, and I agree. You know, I I served in office a long time ago, and I've worked on a lot of campaigns, and I recognize that um, to make political change beyond where we are in Los Angeles right now requires that we move beyond education, we move beyond promoting an alternative lifestyle, and we actually get our political act together so that we can support the champions that are in office and those that are willing to take on challengers uh, that, are, that are currently supporting the status quo. Mike Bonin over on the west side is the type of champion for quality neighborhoods, for safe streets, for healthy kids, for uh, dynamic retail districts that are all threatened by speeding cars. And so uh, he needs us to be engaged in the political process beyond where we are right now. And while I have a lot of respect for the people who are running bike advocacy organizations and walk organizations and so forth around town, they're, in almost every case, are set up as um, education organizations and not political organizations. They, by law, can't endorse candidates. They can't uh, put their members into campaigns as volunteers. Uh, they can't raise money for for their champions. Uh, and so, frankly, they're impotent. And you know, uh, that is the void that I and a couple of other people uh, and a few other people, some of them um, have a considerable amount of money that are willing to help fund this type of effort, are looking to create in the Los Angeles area. And what I'm talking about essentially is a 501c4 type political action committee that the California Bicycle Coalition is willing to sponsor, uh, meaning uh, 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 allow us to set up under their uh, uh, legal entity to in, to support our friends and to challenge our enemies in the political world. And you know, I'm I'm as I'm as uh, peace-minded as anybody, 
but I recognize that we've gone as far as we can go being nice. Now we have to, to actually get involved in political contests so that when our candidates win, we can hold them accountable to uh, make the right decisions on all of these things that are pending. The, the reason, are, uh, and until we do that, we will be in the backwater as a great city to live in, uh, being held hostage by a transportation system that is dominated by cars. Yes, and uh, just as you were mentioning the advocacy organizations, I was thinking about that exact issue that our advocacy organizations are or seem impotent. However, you know, like with the, and I agree, we need a 501c4. We definitely need something like that. So I'm glad that you're working on that. I have a problem with the way that our advocacy orgs seem to, you know, with the, with the Mike Bonin thing, it's like, sure, the advocacy, the 501c3 can't uh, give him money, they can't uh, support him or, whatever, you know, whatever the political barriers are, that, you know. But culturally speaking, you know, if, if, if I were in charge, if, if, I, if I had an advocacy org, and we saw this recall campaign happening against Mike Bonin. Sure, we can't go in there and we can't support Mike Bonin, but we can sell the the street design. We can sell that to the neighbors. We can go house to house and talk to the neighbors and hear them out because they do have legit concerns, a lot of the neighbors. it's the, A lot of it is cut through traffic. And, you know... I mean, in my mind, resources should have been dedicated to that, and I don't, I didn't see anything <laughs> like that. You know, if anything like that happened, if, it, like, for example, Bike Org, you know, shall re like the LACBC, could they not engage in a campaign to talk to the neighbors and just talk about the road diet itself? and sell the road diet itself without, you know, supporting Mike Bonin without, uh, you know, without jeopardizing their 501c3 status? Like, isn't that something that could be done? If you're asking me, the answer is yes. Although, uh, and I don't represent them, they can speak for themselves, but one of the reasons that C3s don't do that or organizations such as that don't do it is because they're afraid of jeopardizing their status uh, and being um, challenged to become, by becoming political. You know, if you're on the other side of that argument, you can make the case, why are they out here? This, is, this has become a political contest. Um, we're, and, and why are they doing that. And they'll pull back real fast because uh, they don't want to be challenged uh, or have someone well, char then, charge them with playing politics here. Uh, and then so their legal status... Go ahead. 
it seems then that it's like what what is their use then if they can't advocate for a safe street? You know, like. Well, you know, uh, there there are there are there are lots of there are lots of things that C three can do under the heading of education, uh, and LACBC is a good example of uh, they're doing a lot of, of bicycle education and delivering lights and and discussing these things in public forums and so forth, but um, that only goes so far in helping an elected be a champion and helping an elected be uh, take a political risk, you know, that's what Mike Bonner yeah. has done. He, he has taken the political risk, and he needs to have uh, an, the community that he's advocating on behalf of uh, supporting him. And if, yeah. if they pull back and say, well, you know, we have our, some of our members are anxious about uh, getting involved in, in political stuff, well, then you can, uh, our champions that are in office will look at that and say, well, then what good are you? What, it, we've gone beyond the nice guy education thing here. If we, uh, ultimately, we're going to have um, motorist groups that are going to push back. And if we are in a position to support our champions in office, our candidates for office, then, you know, we'll be politically impotent. And um, that, that is the missing link around here. That is what separates Los Angeles from Portland or New York City or other places where long ago they addressed this issue. They saw the need to ratchet up their political activities because at the end of the day, these are political decisions, you know. You, uh, 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 on Temple, or did I just get cut off? No, you're good. Did okay. Don get cut off? Um, Don, you no, we're okay. I, 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 I got him. The point. I'll, I'll close with this. Uh, the low-hanging fruit it has been done around here. The reason that we're seeing uh, in individual cases on Temple and elsewhere uh, politicians pulling back is because they don't have the political support to fade the heat uh, when neighborhood associations and others come up. And, uh, after, you know, we, we passed the plan. We've already said through lots of public meetings that, that we want to do this stuff. But when it comes to actually building it, that's when people come unglued and start making threats to vote against you, uh, the elected if, in fact, they follow through on this and they pull back. That's that's where the that's where the conversation is right now in Los Angeles. So it's it sounds like I mean we need education for the voters, the homeowners, the the people that politicians listen to because I, I feel like. Politicians don't listen to bike riders because um, they probably see bike riders as, um, you know, poor. They're probably renters. This is the politician thinking. And they're like, these people are not as important as business owners and homeowners and so forth. 
So how can we change the minds of the voters that the politician cares about? Sometimes you can, sometimes it's just a matter of, okay, we can't change their minds, but we can turn out 200, 400, 1,000 votes for you. Uh, and that's oftentimes the difference between getting reelected or not, you know? And so, um, yeah. uh, I, don't know that, I don't know that that's, I, I, after going through quite a few elections, I feel like politicians just don't think, just don't see the, the numbers in the bike lobby. Well, you know? well, but isn't Charlie a, I mean, Charlie, your career has been a, as a politician. Yeah. So. And, and, and I know that, um, you know, when, when it's only 10 or 15 or, or 20 percent of people that are turning out to vote, uh, th- that a, a relatively small group that's got its political act together can have political clout. You know, there's not that many labor people. There's not that many pe- labor people that live around here, but they show up. They show up at those polling places on election day, and they cast their ballots for their friends, and they vote against their the people who are trying to put them out of business. And so, you know, you have uh, you have politicians that will decide I'm going to be with them or I'm not. And not in an absolute way. This is always a, it's always a spectrum or a continuum here. But we've got plenty of electeds who are saying, okay, I'll support you, but you've got to get out there and, and organize your vote so that I get reelected. I'll stick my neck out here, but if you can't help me get reelected on this, then it would be foolish for me to support you. Right. Uh, somehow we got to get those numbers up in L.A., I guess, because I feel like, you know, like, like with David Rue, with, uh, some of the elections that happened recently, uh, you know, the, the bike lobby was there and he was listening, but he didn't really deliver. He didn't really take... He didn't really take us seriously, you know. He just sort of, sort of pandered to to the bike vote, and then completely threw everybody away once he got in office. I mean, he's, who who are you talking about? David Rue, for example, um, someone that actually did uh, give us lip service during the election for Council District Four. Um, after he was elected, he's kind of not done anything uh, for, and in fact, blocked uh, like the Sixth Street bike lanes, for example. Uh, and he's, you know, he's pissing off a lot of safe streets advocates that, that were expecting more of him. And I think he sort of, you know. I just think we don't have the numbers to to really to for him to worry, you know. You know, somehow you know, uh, the numbers. One of the things, as a as a political organizer, I can agree with you on that base premise. But then you start 
expanding your definition of who's in the coalition that supports our agenda. I can tell you that those business owners along Venice Boulevard in Bonin's district like the fact that that uh, Venice Boulevard is a much safer, more uh, attractive place to do business now. People can actually park along that street better than they could before because they've reduced the speed along Venice Boulevard to the point where it's a more uh, conducive to for their customers to actually get there. And the inverse is true. When Venice Boulevard, as an example, serves as a, as a highway to downtown L.A., then uh, that's one of the reasons businesses dry up along those routes and go away. And so uh, a lot of what we're talking about here is, is uh, not just about riding a bike. It's the nature of the neighborhood it's the culture of the community. It's the uh, it's the place. It's our neighborhood. It's the it's the integrity of the neighborhood we're talking about here, and um, that there's a whole there's plenty of, of parents and homeowners and small business people who can see our point of view uh, when we frame it that way, and okay, that's how you yes, win elections yes. is building that kind of coalition. That okay. That's that's what I'm talking about. I mean, the thing with the Venice Boulevard is, I mean, I've taught, I, I actually know, uh, the, the, his name is Demetrios. He owns a couple of the buildings right there. And he's, he is pissed. He's one of the people behind the recall because, you know, they're claiming that the, that business is down since that configuration went in. I mean, I talked to him, and I think what what was not clear to him, you're right. Business does start to flourish when the streets are safe, when you can cross the street, when you can go to the coffee shop and cross the street to go to the, you know, the, the record store. You know, people like to go to those kind of districts so they can walk around. And Demetrios... After I talked to him, I was, I was telling him, look, just give it, give it a year. Give it, you know, wait till the summer and see how things change. Because right in the beginning when these projects go in, people get confused. They don't know what's going on. They get up in arms. Perception plays a big part, you know. They perceive that that uh, conditions got bad and worse because they're confused. And that's kind of what I was talking about before is, like, educating those voters, those people that don't care about bikes but that are voters and their business owners, how, you know, those people should have been engaged, uh, you know, not with a bike message but with, the business message. Now, you know, I told I, when I was talking to Demetrius, I was like, Demetrius, I want to take you to uh, York Boulevard and go have a beer and show you what's going on at York Boulevard or Virgil or Rowena. These are all places that had road diets put in, and the businesses started flourishing. It took a minute, but once people start understanding that that area is is now uh more pedestrian friendly you know uh they start 
going there. They see, you know, it's it's not just a place that you drive through. It's a place where you go like, oh, I want to, this is like my little Larchmont village, like little local spot where I can go get a coffee and, and uh, sit out on the street without having six lanes of traffic blasting by in front of me. It's actually kind of enjoyable. And that takes a minute to, to settle in. And I think for our part as advocates, we haven't really been out there selling it to homeowners in that way. We've been, you know, like when LACBC does their, their thing, like, for example, the Westwood bike lane, the selling point was we have all these bike riders that want to ride on bike lanes. It's not. That's not the selling point to a homeowner or to a business owner. The business owner, like you say, Charlie, I actually learned this from you. The, the, the businesses need to hear that their business is going to go up, and they need to be prepared for the changeover somehow. Somehow we got to prepare them and, and get them wanting this to happen in front of their business, right? I, yeah, I have a similar story in Long Beach where 150 architects moved out of the 19th floor of a high-rise to a ground-floor building on 3rd Street in downtown Long Beach because we put a protected bikeway in on 3rd Street, and they could, one, the street was much uh, nicer place to be, and two, they could uh, ride their bikes there, um, and so this is 150 architects that are making a whole lot of money uh, and, and want to work in a place that nurtures them, that supports their lifestyle. And so that's the change that actually comes. They, they used to be a Nordstrom rack, a, uh, a, an outlet store that they converted into a big old office space. And uh, so that's the evolution of the place, and it's a much more dynamic place than it used to be as a consequence of changing the infrastructure and changing the, the, um, the feel and the actual uh, um, activities on the street. And so you're right, that's, who's going to do that? Uh, LACBC and other advocacy organizations uh, have an intent to do that, but they're under... Powered, and they need to be supported. Uh, and the electives that, that want to do these things need to be supported. Otherwise, we will do the low-hanging fruit, but when the pushback comes, uh, the electives will fold because they want to get reelected, and they, don't, they, they can't stick their neck out to support us on that and so forth. So, yeah, that's the job. That's what needs to – we need to evolve as a community to be more assertive – uh, in telling these stories and showing people how change is actually good in this case. And it's not, you know, this is a tool. It doesn't function everywhere. I'm not suggesting that this is a panacea or that, it's, that it ought to be applied all over the place. But uh, more in more cases than not, it's been applied, and I'm talking about examples around the country now, we've put in more than 300 uh, protected bike lanes around the country right now, and it's been less than 10 that have been pulled out. And so, you know, uh, when it sticks like that, that means that, just as you were saying, Don, the, the neighborhood evolves and people recognize the benefits and the value of it, and, they, and then they either tolerate it or they embrace it. 
And you know, those people are still able to drive through there, but it's but they're, it's a more respectful speed. It's a safer speed. People can get across the streets now. Bicycles can ride along that street. Uh, and, and, and in most cases, it's a positive impact on property values and business activity along that route. Don and Charlie, do, can we wrap this up? For those that are listening, I hope that uh, we've made some sense. And if you're interested in following up with me, you can you can find me uh, around on Facebook and Charlie Gandy, uh, or send me a, an email. I'm interested in in uh, upping our game, and I think Don is also. Uh, and so if and, and, and there's people who want to give money to this stuff as well. So we're not just whistling in the wind here. We've got support for this. Uh, we hope you join us and, and uh, start a new conversation. For my part, I'm always looking to speak to the opposition. I'm always looking to talk to them and hear them out. Nick, you know, when we had Selena and Alexis on the show, they had very real concerns that can be addressed. And, you know, if we get something together like what Charlie's talking about, um, we can head that off. We can start talking to people before a project is announced. You know, if we work with the LACBC and the LADOT to understand, like, okay, here's, you know, the high injury network, here's some projects that were that are forthcoming. We can do things to talk to the neighborhoods in advance before they even know about the project coming and prepare them and start speaking the gospel to them because the, these people have the same kind of concerns that we do, which is like people speeding through their neighborhoods, people making things unpleasant in their neighborhoods. And there's there's... There's common ground there where, you know, we're, we're asking for safe streets. They want safe streets. You know, maybe their idea is a little bit different, but if we talk to them in the beginning and they're not surprised by these projects, which I think is a big problem, um, then yep. I think we can make a lot of ground. All right. So we started talking about can you be an, an environmentalist and drive, and we ended up talking about uh, the political direction of bicycling environmentalists. And we're talking. We're talking about selling safe streets to politicians and to voters, right, Charlie? Essentially, or yeah, stakeholders. Yeah. And 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 that's and we haven't done a good. The, the city of L.A. and others have not done a good job of that in the past. That's why they need us to step up to support them to do exactly what you just said: inoculate uh, them before the and and to, to have those conversations so it doesn't blindside people and they respond uh, uh, with a hell no, pull this out and take it back to where it was. So thank, yeah, thanks for exactly. the opportunity. Of course, thank you. All right, we'll talk soon then. Okay, guys, take care. All right, right thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. 
On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 